episode 25 of the Cherokee Rewind, and we're having some fun. As uh, Well, it's Mick. Glad to have you along here, and thank you for tuning in. My guest this time around is, well, this guy was a, we, he was a grizzly veteran, even as a young guy. And he was able to uh, carve out a nice career at the junior level. Also got to even play some minor league hockey. And, uh, well, he just did a little bit of everything, you know. And, of course, hockey was not only his, was not his only passion. And we'll talk about that more as we go, as I am joined by uh, the one, the only, Mr. Ryan Sexsmith. And, of course, Ryan, first of all, welcome, buddy. And second, I'm, I always do a thing where I try to remember uh, guys' uh, jersey numbers. Now, for the most part, if I remember correctly, you wore number two, was it not? Yeah, wore two pretty much the whole time with the Cherokee. Okay. Now, what when you played in Evansville and stuff, what, what number did you wear there? Oh, in Evansville, I was number 33 and 27 for about two weeks because we only wow. had one jersey of 33. <laughs> All righty then. Now, th- we'll get into that. That, should, that sounds like an interesting story. Anyhow, uh, Ryan, first of all, let's uh, talk about this because you're a, you're a Michigan guy, so uh, you're from up near Detroit. Uh, originally uh talk about getting started playing this crazy sport we all know and love uh i mean i was like two years old and my mom uh wanted me to start skating she puts figure skates on my feet uh my uncle did not enjoy that and (laughs) came to me and asked me if i wanted to play hockey with the big boys and it just it went from there that age I was playing with my cousin who was three years older than me. So I was always playing up with those guys and going to their practices. I never really left the ice rink as a kid. Wow. It doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, so you took to it like a fish takes to water, huh? Yeah. Not a swimmer at first, but yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, the thing though about it is, is that, you know, that's the one thing about hockey is you, you either absolutely are in love with it or you don't really care for it too much. There's no in between. There is no, you know, no question. Now, uh, when, how old were you when you first started playing organized hockey? Um, to my recollection, I believe I was five five or six playing with my cousin's team of nine-year-olds, eight, nine-year-olds. Holy cow. Of course, you probably were by, at that point, you were, uh, you know, sporting a mustache by then, weren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I was a little guy back then still. (laughs) You're you're the old grizzly veteran back then as a five. No, 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 no. I was the young one just chasing the puck around confused. Oh, that's okay. It means you fit in with the rest of them. But, uh, you know, I, it's funny because, I mean, you looked much, uh, I guess the nice way to say is you looked mature beyond your years. Uh, you, you looked older than you were. So, I was a 30-year-old, 16-year-old. <laughs> Losing my hair at that age, too. Oh, man. But you did. You looked, you did. You looked older than, than most of the kids that played. Uh, at your at your level and it was that i always just i was like man is this guy gonna come in here is he gonna retire or is he gonna <laughs> you know that was funny but now when you played when you played uh growing up as you got older did you play any high school or did you play uh strictly travel 
Uh, I played two years of high school, and my going in to the end of my sophomore year, the coach told me that I was not allowed back the next year because I did not belong in high school hockey in the you know the school that I was going to. We were just really bad, and he didn't. He got me out of it. I would have stayed and played four years of high school hockey and probably never even gone near Toledo. Wow. So, uh, so tell me how, how, um, where did you land first in the CSHL? The Michigan ice dogs was the first team I played with. We were in Plymouth still at the time, which is now victory Honda arena, I believe. Mm-hmm. They moved from there. Now it's just the Plymouth pond or something like that. But they, that's where we started was in Plymouth. And then year two, they moved to Wayne and played in that complex that they ended in. The Wayne, yeah, the Wayne ice arena. I remember that place, the civic center. Um, yep. They, I always said that was like the perfect arena, except that it needed to have seats on both sides of the rink. And it would have been stands for them. Yep. Yes. <laughs> So, what well, I mean, tell me about your coaches back then, what that was like playing for those guys. Shepler was a tough one to play for my rookie year. He uh, he rode people pretty hard, gave a lot of people bad, you know, bad taste in their mouth, but we won that first year. We did pretty good, and I mean... I I didn't really get along with him too well, but he definitely... You know, he knew what it took to win. He just was a little too, too much for some people. So, I mean, now, was there another coach? Was there like an assistant coach that allowed you to, you know, where you could, like the good cop, bad cop, you could vent to him? Or was it Uh, just strictly Shuffler? uh, There was a coach. I cannot remember his name for the life of me. But there was a guy there that kind of was that, you know, his his yang to his yang, I guess you could say. And, but it just still, he was, like I said, he was just a hard, hard guy. Like, everybody thought Duncan was a hard guy just because of how loud he was. And, you know, it, 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 Scheffler was a different kind. You know, he was, it was a different kind of on you. Okay. So, um, so you were there for, what, two seasons? A season and a quarter, maybe, and then I was traded to Cleveland. Okay, so you got to go play for Bob Jacobson. That had yeah. to be that had to be an interesting cup of tea. I slept in the locker room for the first two weeks, Mick. What? They didn't have housing ready for us, so for the first two weeks that I was there, I slept in the locker room on the floor. <laughs> oh, I were you the only one? No, there was like two or three of us that all came in at the same time and they didn't have any housing ready for kids from out of state. Oh my gosh. They had a nice little locker room, but I mean, you were in an ice rink sleeping. That's insane. Now, was that yeah. the place in, uh, what, which town was that in Strongsville? Yeah, that was the, oh no, was it Strongsville? It was the one that was not, it, it was like a barn. It was like walking into a church in the one door almost some night, some days. Yeah, that's that was that was in um oh gosh, was that I want to say it was Strongsville, but I could be wrong, very I wrong. Think it was Strongsville because I think then they moved to like Euclid or something like that. Yeah, they moved to the Hoover Ice Arena someplace. Yep. And that was the, yeah. the nice one of the two. Yeah. 
And it, uh, but it, no, the one in Strongsville, that was, they had, we would go there on Saturdays and play and they only had like, uh, enough seating in there for like, uh, maybe 50 people. And the, because they didn't have any seating in there and you just walk and stand there and look, but they put all, they put all the money into the indoor soccer field right next to it. Oh yeah. That goes on a lot around here now too. They've turned a couple of our ice rinks into nothing but soccer. Oh, stop it. Anyway, uh, but then then on Sunday, I remember on Sundays, we'd go in there to play the early like 12 noon game or whatever it was. And the church that owned the place was rocking full tilt, man. You could you could feel the, the, the rink vibrate because oh, yeah. uh, they had the spirit <laughs> of the Lord. They were going crazy out there. Yeah, they but, uh, uh, it would be wild in there. There's some of those people looked at us like we were crazy walking in there all dressed up just to go play hockey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, and these, and I mean, the, the church, I remember it was so loud and they had, we would walk into the, uh, we would walk into the snack bar and they had video screens, little, they had TVs in there of the services going on. And I mean, folks were just getting into it, man. And that's cool. You know, that's their thing uh, for the getting into the spirit and stuff like that. And, but it just cracked me up from, you know, I'm just a fat guy going to watch a hockey game and, and, and next thing you know, man, you know, I mean, I see people in there, you know, go just, just singing and jumping and, and right, throwing their hands up and all this stuff. And meanwhile, while I'm doing that, I've got a couple of parents that are ordering beers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. They're it, drinking it, while, the, while church is going on. It cracked me up. <laughs> yeah. I was like sitting there going, wait, what's wrong with this picture? But, uh, it was just too funny to me, you know, and that, you know, that was, to, that was always my recollection of Cleveland. Yeah. I could always count on that. And the other thing I could always count on was Bob Jacobson with a cup of coffee in his hand. Always. Always. He was on ice with a cup of coffee in his hands. He didn't wear skates. He just walked around on it. I, I never seen, I don't think I ever seen him ever without a cup of coffee in his hands. I mean, he I saw him so cold. What's that? He had to with that cold rink he was in. It was so cold in there all the time. Yeah, yeah that's true. That is very true. Now, I got to admit, that's that was a cold rink. But agree or disagree, that I think Metro was probably the coldest rink that was in that league. Oh, man. <laughs> the half a season I played there. Or it wasn't even half a season. I think it was uh, probably right at the trade deadline before I went to Cleveland, actually. I finished that uh, second year with Metro after Cleveland is what it was. I got traded home because they didn't have any housing. So I got traded to Metro and finished that season and, like, went to playoffs with them and everything. And, man, I swear Butch would ask them to turn that rink down when we had a game that day. Like it was like Mystery Alaska in there, him wanting little Richard out there singing. <laughs> I knew there was something to that. That, <laughs> but uh, I knew there was something to that because that. I mean, we you'd walk in there and it was colder in the rink than it was outside in February. Hundred <laughs> percent, all time. <laughs> oh my gosh, it drove me nuts. That was insane. But I mean. That that was the I guess you could say that was the charm of the Lakeland Ice Arenas uh, was yeah. the fact that it was like Mystery Alaska. It was horrible, horrible cold. I think but, our Michigan ice rinks pride at being freezing cold in them because you go to the ice box in Woodhaven or now it's the Brownstown ice rink or something like that. But 
it was called the ice box and the rink number two was called the freezer because you literally there was maybe 20 seats you could sit in as a kid and you saw your breath the whole practice uh, uh, uh no thank you oh my gosh that is just brutal but uh you know and i mean let's be honest the the, the ice house in toledo wasn't the warmest place either but there were at least a couple of spots where you could under the big heating beams if you if you got there early enough and got yourself just right you could sit right underneath of them and you could at least uh not freeze too bad when you were yeah. when you're in there because <laughs> sap was the same way he always liked to have that cold uh that cold weather, that cold uh, rink. And it was like, you know, please, Sap, put a log on the fire. But no, not him. But uh, anyway, so when, when did you finally come to Toledo? Um, it would have been my, so I finished that year with Metro. Mm-hmm. And so that would have been my third year in juniors. I uh, was actually at a tryout for, I was at Motor City's camp. And Higgy, well, Higginson came up to me and or Higgins, whatever. I can't remember how to say his name. Tom Higgins, yeah. Tom Higgins said he uh he kind of walked up to me after we walked out and he was like, Hey, you should just come to Toledo. And I was like, Well, you know, is there a spot? And then I got a phone call from Duncan a half hour later to come to Toledo and play. So it would have been the start of my third season. They took me right out of the chief's camp. <laughs> wow. So, uh, so you, so you end up in Toledo, you come to Toledo and uh, how, tell me about what it was like walking into that locker room and, and finally saying, you know what, uh, for better or for worse, this is home. Honestly, after the, so <laughs> Ice Dogs, we didn't even have a locker room. We did the first year. The second year when we were in Wayne, we just kind of brought our bags to the rink every day and, you know, like a, a minor hockey team pretty much. Um, like a, well, a road team. <laughs> yeah, you were like the road team every game. Uh, Cleveland, I lived in the locker room, so <laughs> kind of got to be in there for a while. Uh, as you said, Metro was freezing cold. Locker room was no different. Uh, you walked into Toledo's locker room, and it's like walking into uh, better than most of the locker rooms I saw in minor hockey. Wow. I mean, it's it's like walking into a, uh, a pro hockey locker room. You got your coaches right there when you walk in. You got Doc there to your left. You got... Chucky or Fravor, whoever was there that week back in the corner sewing something up. And then you just walk into this massive locker room with a, you got a living room pretty much in it with couches and TVs. So, I mean, it's, they, you know, you say for better, for worse, but it was definitely for better because the way that they put that together, they made you feel like you were, you know, in that, that like you belonged there. You were in that spot to be there. You know, they put the money into that spot. Well, that's what, it, that's what I was getting at is the fact for better or for worse, because after having to endure what you endured, because you took, that's a wild journey that you took to end up in Toledo. Uh, the fact that you went through all of that. And I still, I'm, my mind is still blown. The fact that you lived in an ice rink <laughs> because they couldn't find any, any housing for you. And then they trade you 
because I they couldn't find any houses. I asked to go home. I said, you guys, this is ridiculous. You know, once they did find us housing, it was an hour and a half away. So it was just like, man, I, just send me home. And unfortunately, they sent me to Metro, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they sent you a little, a little further north than you intended, but uh, at least it was close to home. Uh, uh, so, yeah. So tell me about now getting going back into those days, though. Uh, were you always a defenseman or did you get to see any time up front? Well, Dunk would move me around like no other. I mean, I play I'd play uh, random games. He'd just look at me and go, hey, you're playing forward this week. OK, go stand in front of the net. OK, you know, uh, <laughs> it, he would throw you around in random spots. I mean, same with uh, with Shepler did it a lot with me, too. Like I I would be put in random spots to go play forward. And I think it was just because I was willing to go hit people all the time. That is incredible. Now, now, when you uh, when you were in Cleveland or when you were in uh, in Metro, did you get to do that also? Or were you strictly D? <laughs> Cleveland, I strictly played D. Uh, pretty much same with Metro. You really didn't get to go many, didn't get to move around much. Uh, I don't even remember Metro's coach, what his name was. He was only there for that one year and Mm. I don't remember something happened. I don't remember what exactly happened, but I know he wasn't able to coach there anymore, but it, uh, he was very into what he, his idea, it stayed that way at all times. Uh, not like Dunk or Shepler, like they definitely, they spun their wheels a lot. Not, you know, not spun their wheels, but their minds were always turning on something, something they could change to make our teams better or even, you know, help someone out if they're struggling at a time. Okay. Well, you know, um, so, you know, did, uh, do you remember your first goal as in juniors? Uh, yeah, uh, it was my first game. We were playing the Metro Jets. I scored in the first period and the third period of my first game. Wow. And we were playing in Frazier Ice Rink. It was a showcase to start the season out. It was okay. like, the, uh, I think it was the last year they did. It was like a five-team showcase or something like that. And it was in in uh, Frazier Ice Rink, though, and that was no one's home rink. It didn't make any sense at all. Well, that's because they had five sheets of ice, I would think. Yeah, that's so, about the only reason I would see us there because there was no there was no teams even out there at that time. The only team there, I think, was the Motor City Mechanics. <laughs> oh yeah, out of the old U-Haul league. Yep, that about have been the only team that was even playing there. Yeah, and uh, now you know what's kind of the irony of it is, is that the Metro Jets now play there. They play. They play out of Frazier. I got to play about twenty-two games in the minors there before the team folded. Wow. We got That's to a nice the, rink. That nice big rink. We got to fill it. I think we almost filled it one game, but we only played like twenty-two to twenty-three games there, and we didn't win a single one. <laughs> we could not buy a win that that season. I. 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 Oh my. Oh my. Okay, so anyhow, um, looking at, you know, you know, like I said, coming to Toledo, uh, the first year you were in Toledo, who, when you played up front, do you, did you have any 
a particular set of line mates or was it like dunk just did what he did with you which was sometimes he threw you up front he would sometimes either uh did he put you with a specific line or did you sometimes have just different people rotate in and out uh i mean honestly i never really like you never really had the same people i mean mo you would centers would kind of rotate around and your wingers would stay the same um that were usually together but i never really like i said i didn't ever stayed on a line forward wise for long it was uh you know a game here a game there a weekend somebody was hurt and we just dressed an extra defenseman at that point um i couldn't even tell you who my defensive partner was the first year because we rotated through so many guys at, at defense that first year i mean there were people in and out that year nonstop. Wow. Now, uh, do you remember any of the guys that you played with though? Oh yeah. I mean, I, the first year I played, I know I played a lot with, uh, Gulch as my defense partner. You had him and cell Ryan cell that were D, uh, I think Matt Zelinsky was on that team. Oh yeah. Um, Man, you had the kids from Colorado that were there with Matt for a few weeks. I don't even remember their names. Um, Is that yeah, Matt I'm, Rogers, maybe? Yep, Matt Rogers. There you go. There you go. See, you remember those names. I can't punch too I many got, times. I don't make. Well, <laughs> I, I got 20 years into this thing, so, you know, I it, I, it, it got me. I had to think of something. But, uh, you know, I just uh, the idea, though, still that, you know, some of those guys, you know, you, you – I mean, we all go through that. You, they, the names run together, and, and it's just as we get older, they all kind of go, oh, okay. You know, you try to figure them out, but sometimes you do forget. So, but uh, now when that first year, did you, uh, being that it was uh, your third year of juniors, did you kind of feel more of a role as being a veteran, or did you feel more like a fresh start rookie? Uh, I mean... I didn't get the hazing at all of being a rookie. I had already got to go through that, but I really didn't take the a leadership role, I would say, because there was already guys in Toledo that had been there for, you know, two, three years. You had Higgy, you had uh, Abby, uh, you had Bart Reeves. Uh, I mean, those guys had already all been there. And I mean, everybody had already respected them. And if you didn't respect them, everybody but Abaglen was, they were going to smack you around if you wanted. <laughs> it's just as simple as that. So you really didn't have to worry about leadership on that team. Higgy uh, definitely, he laid the law and, you know, it went the way he wanted it to go. Yeah, and, that... and he just, you know, handled it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, that's what that's what captains do, but yeah. um, you know it's funny you mentioned that because of all all the guys you mentioned, of course, you know Abby was not a tough guy. He was a goal scorer. That was his that was his job on that team. But Bart Reeves, that <sighs> guy, I mean, he's a maniac. <laughs> and as small as he was, you know, and everybody thought he was just this goon. And that kid could score whenever he felt like turning it on. Yeah. He would turn it on at random points because they always had uh, that first year, him, Higgy, and Abby were always together. 
which was a scary line because a they'd score b you're getting chased down by those two if you touched abby yep. and uh i mean but bart he was the most uh like unorthodox player i guess i could ever say that i played with <laughs> but man that kid <laughs> you didn't want to run into him i'll tell you that for sure there you was a method to his madness you had to play against those guys and i'll tell you being in practice against them was no fun. They slashed you just like they would slash someone in the game. They were – Bart definitely put it on you like it was a game at all times. Well, and Corey Abigwen, Abby was uh, – like I said, he was more the finesse guy. Higgy was the guy that uh, – he was kind of the guy that he could – he had the whole package. He could – if you needed him to drop the mitts, I mean, when you're, what, six foot four, six foot five, you know – he could he could drop the mitts with anybody, and usually take care of himself and 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 win win the battle. Uh, he could put the puck in the net. Uh, it, uh, he he was he did a little bit of everything. He could get it all done, and he did. I think he was just the fact that he was just a much taller version of Bart Reeves. But I mean, he turned on the goal scoring a little bit more than Bart did. But, yeah, Higgy definitely turned on the goal scoring. I mean, I think he was. Him and Abby, I think, were one and two that year in points, mm-hmm. or close. I mean, they, they were in that neighborhood. Yep, of power play, they were out there with one of the defensive pairings. <laughs> it didn't yeah. matter who they were out there for defense; you just had those three on the ice. Yep, and uh, you know, but the thing that always cracked me up the most, though, was, uh, it was especially early, early on in his uh, Cherokee career, was Bart. Because people thought, because he was like, what, five foot eight, nine, 145 pounds, maybe? That's with skates on. And, uh, you know, the guy did, looked like so gangly and that redhead and just like, <laughs> and nobody, everyone thought that, you know, it'd be pretty easy pickings to take advantage of him. Uh, nope. <laughs> that yeah. guy. That guy scared people in that league. I'm telling you, he scared people in that league because those hands of his, when they hit you, it was a it was a Mack truck. Was it, it was it him that Corvo bit, or was it Higgy? I think it was. I think it was Reeves. I think it was Bart. He bit him, and he bit uh, Ryan Birmingham, who, God rest his soul, has passed away now. But he. Uh, yeah, he bit the he bit the arm of the ref in the middle of the fight when the ref was attempting to get him off of Bart because yep. Bart had that kid so mad at the world. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. You're uh, right. I tell that story to people all the time when they start talking about hockey fights to me. I'm like, yeah, well, I watched a guy bite somebody in a hockey fight. <laughs> that is like, that is like, uh, oh man, that is like the ultimate just. Oh, I can't say what I want to say, but you get my point. It's just like oh, that. It's yeah. just crap. Peoria was some good times going there. I'll tell you that. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, the uh, the brawl. Were now were you there when uh, Kyle uh, Haberlin was there? Yes. Uh, when, were you there his first year or or uh, his second? I think it was his second because that was. Uh, I believe so. 
because I'm trying to remember the that we it was the, the the time that we got into our team got into a brawl with theirs and he ended up fighting as a because it was his first year. No, it was his first year. He got into a fight with two guys from Peoria and was beating up both of them at the same time. Huh. It was two on one and he was and yeah. he was beating them both. Oh my god. Yeah, you know, so and it, oh my gosh, those are some of the. I mean, I'm trying to remember because, like I said, all these years the names run together, you know. Because I was thinking about him and I was thinking about Brett Lincoln, but I don't know. Did you play with Brett or no? No, I did not. I think they were, they might have been before me. Yeah, they were a little before you. Yeah. Because, uh, no, I remember Brett actually got into a fight with a guy you would know, and that is from St. Louis, Mr. Brandon Bolig who went on to play for the Chicago Blackhawks and win a Stanley Cup with them. Yes, he did. Yep. So I, I was just thinking about that, and it's like, holy crap. You St. Know, Louis but, had a couple really good players make it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joey Vitale. Uh, Joy. trying to remember who else. Um, I know Joey Vitale had a short stint with the Penguins, and he's now the radio uh, color analyst for the Blues. Um, oh, Wasn't Chris, one, Paul Chris Stanton, Butler. Wasn't he one of them? Who's that? Paul Stastny. Well, didn't yeah, he Paul Stastny was the big one. Yeah, he's now with uh, Vegas. But uh, but uh, Chris Butler was with um, Buffalo. And then he I think he got traded to Calgary. Um, and trying to think of who else. I know uh, Jack Behan, their coach. At the time, he would know all these guys. He knows all the names and who all made it and who went where and whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, those some of those guys, yeah, because St. Louis, I would say for you know for especially in your era, uh, the two teams that probably were our biggest rivals were St. Louis and Peoria. Uh, I, I don't know, because Dubuque, we had some real... Oh, you were there when Dubuque was there, right? yes. Yeah. we I mean, we battled it out with those... The, us four teams were always that close to the top with each other in my, in my time in Toledo. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I would say our biggest rival, my second... Uh, I don't know, probably the first year was definitely Dubuque. No, it would have been the second year, because that's when the brawl happened. So my yes. second year, they... Uh, yeah, that, them in St. Louis, but, I mean, we always battled Peoria. That second year with Toledo, we had some absolute crazy battles between Peoria and uh, uh, Dubuque. I mean, St. Louis just was a finesse team, and we were a little bit more, fin- you know, we played with an edge. Yeah, it played more bring your lunch bucket, you're going to go to work team. Duncan used to write 40-40 on the board every game, and he wanted 40 shots and 40 hits every period. <laughs> so he expected you to just go out there and put the puck on the net and put bodies in the glass. Yep, that was that. That is Dunk. Not much has changed, uh, but but uh, now tell me about that about the brawl. What you remember about the brawl? Because I I've talked about it a few times on on this podcast, but most of the guys that uh, they don't you know they weren't part of it. They just kind of they heard about it, saw it on YouTube, etc. But uh, the funniest thing to me of the whole thing 
as far as from my end of it, because I was broadcasting the game. It was me and uh, I think it was me and Rusty Hafner. And uh, we were doing it for BCSN. And I remember if if memory serves me, uh, Nick Yost, Nick Jost was the guy that started the whole thing. He hit one of the Dubuque guys, one of their uh, forwards who, you know, and you don't hit them because they're the ones that are supposed to be intimidating. And we, we didn't take a back seat. We, and he lit up this kid with a clean hit. It was a clean hit and it set off everything, not full blown yet, but it set off some things and everyone was so mad and then I remember our goaltender was J.R. Engelbert. And I remember that on the next faceoff, because it was at the Dubuque Blue Line, their tough guy was well, lined no, it up. Was at our, they, were, it, they were on our blue line. He took off right from our blue line, offsides and everything, and ran right at him. Yeah, I was I was I I, I could swear it was theirs, but anyway, was he went yeah, it was from there because he went all the way down the ice. Yeah, it wasn't like just from the blue line. It was all the way down. And he tried to submarine JR and JR leapfrogged him and he went crashing into the post. And then JR turned around and started beating him with his blocker. Yeah, he beat JR, man. I would not want to get in a fight with that goaltender. He was a goalie. Yeah, go ahead, man. Tell me, you talk, because he was a beast over there. He, uh, it, that, that was a wild game. Like, it had already, like like I said, at that point, we had already been to Dubuque once that year. And you had Jay Clark, who every game was fighting one of them guys. Like I said, <laughs> I mean, he didn't care. Every game he was trying to kill somebody, regardless. Dunk would True. tell that chill out. No, there was zero chill in that kid's blood ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it was like we had already been there and had confrontations with them in their building, and they didn't like the way we, you know, they didn't like the way we treated them. They didn't like the way Dunk screamed and yelled and, you know, got in people's ear and did what he was, you know, what Dunk always did. They didn't like that stuff. Well, like I said, I can't remember the kid's name. I mean, I'm pretty sure he never played hockey again after it happened. But he, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, the puck got dropped, and he, no holds bar, tried to go end-to-end and take him out. And, I mean, it did not fare very well for him. No. Uh, I can't remember who got their hands on him in the end of it. I think it was, no, because Higgy squared up in center ice with their big guy. Mm -hmm. I remember that because as the fight was going on there, Oh, you know who center ice and squared up, and that was a good fight because he bloodied Higgy up, but Higgy won the fight in the long run. I mean, he he popped him pretty good. Now I remember the other guy that was over there by Jr. helping him and absolutely destroying this that kid was uh, Austin Seipel. Seipel, that's who it was. Seipel and Galt were on the ice at that time. And yeah, it was, uh, that was just a insane battle and everyone was screaming, going nuts. Everyone was ready to kill the debut coach, uh, Joe Coombs. Cause, uh, Tarsh, Chris Tarsha was with the team at that time and went out 
behind the after where you leave the uh, lock or the bench to go towards the locker room, that hallway. He was in that back that hallway. Was, it was Dixie. Dixie was already. Okay, now I I need you to repeat that, Ryan, because I lost you there for a second. Still with me, buddy? You there, Mick? Yeah, I'm there now. Let's just try it again. All right. <laughs> um, so Tarsh wasn't the initial back behind there. Uh, it was Dixie from upstairs. Because Dixie was already uh, suspended for something. I'm pretty sure it was while we were in Dubuque, something that went on. And then we came home and had to play him again. And um, he heard it coming when, like, if you watch the video, you can hear him yell at JR. I, I mean, I distinctly remember him yelling, JR, they're coming. And... At that point, Dixie went off, and he came from upstairs, which, I mean, upstairs, obviously, in the ice house is in between the two uh, the two benches up there. Yep. You used to be able to stand there. I don't honestly know if you can anymore. But uh, at that point, he left the upstairs and came downstairs, and it took about three of the hockey players stopping him from getting to their bench because the benches actually connect behind <laughs> behind your benches. I mean, there's no stopping it at that point. No, there's a walkway there, the hallway there that easily connects the two. So it, it turned into a melee in there, and then you had Tarsh come in there, which he was not an easy person to subdue. I mean, no, he was a little, I mean, he was a brick house. We'll just yes. say that. <laughs> yep, amen. But, uh, you know, and then, of course, yeah, World War Three ensued with everybody. And I I mean, it uh, and it was hilarious because this was this game was televised locally and didn't matter, man. People were I mean, people were just going absolutely bananas, even uh, on the broadcast. I'm trying to stay professional. And uh, Rusty Hafner is going absolutely bananas, calling it, you know, these guys are these this debut guys are a gong show and all this other stuff just going on and on and on just ripping them a new one. He did call him a gong show on there. <laughs> yes, he did. He called on television. He called him a gong show. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I just I just looked at him and I smiled. I what else do you say? You know, I just I was like, okay, <laughs> it was funny, but uh, that was just the intensity of the rivalry because up to that point. If I remember correctly, Toledo had not, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to remember, we had not beaten them at home yet at that point. And then the fall, I don't know if it was that season or if it was the fall, I think it was the following season. We beat them, we swept them at home. Uh, they were both overtime games, but we swept them at home. And uh, it, I mean, that I, that was like the sweetest feeling in the world, man, beating those guys because they were kind of like what Peoria used to be. Uh, Peoria, when they first came into the league, were really tough, and they had some big boys, and uh, it took us a while to beat them. And we finally beat them. I think it was in the playoffs in Peoria. We finally beat them. And so that's how it was with Dubuque, same thing. They were, you know, we had a tough time beating them early on. And then... uh 
then when we finally did like the one the one year though that it was and it happened to be the last year that they were in our league because they went back to the ushl wow yeah i don't i that year that year i I, like i said i i like you said i think we had only beat them once at that time and it was in their rink because every time they came in town dunk was on high alert (laughs) i mean practices were intense when they were coming to town because uh, like you said we hadn't beat them he was sick of losing to them yep Uh, we all were and uh that was yeah that i just i remember i think it was like a a four to three game and i think they were both four to three games in overtime and that we beat them and uh when that happened oh my gosh like I, I was ready to throw a parade, <laughs> but <laughs> it was that was crazy. So anyhow, we you know, so you went on to um, you played now. Did you the second year? Uh, who were some of the guys that were that came in that were different that you played with? <laughs> oh man, I mean, <laughs> obviously DJ Fisher, seeing as he's already thrown me under the bus for protecting him. <laughs> so is that true is that a true story yes uh i did take him to the michigan football game and promise him that he wouldn't have to do any kind of rookie initiation if he helped me at the big house and it was the day that appalachian state beat michigan <laughs> oh <laughs> so man it was uh it, it was a little crazy but yeah. i mean it worked out well for me <laughs> yeah I was, Little, the little guy on my side so well never, worked out well for dj that's for sure <laughs> yeah yeah he didn't have to get his head shaved or anything like you said because uh we were pretty pretty rough about some of those haircuts that's for sure oh that's putting it mildly now uh you know uh what were did you go through any of that crap when you were with michigan ice dogs oh um yeah we had to I can't remember who I had to do it with, but they did a, uh, a a rookie party is what they did. And, you know, you went to one of the vets' houses because at that, you know, you at that time you had somebody that was 21 years old that had their own place probably because you had an overager. So you'd go to their house and everybody would hang out. Well, the rookie party was not a party. <laughs> it, it was the veterans getting you to do, you know, rookie initiations. I had they made one kid dress up in a bathing suit we'll say and he had to jump in the apartment pond and i had to dress up as a lifeguard and go jump in the pond and save him in front of all these people outside oh Oh, man mine wasn't too bad and it didn't really scar me like we did you know like you said you did people's hairs the one year uh we made all the rookies dye their hair blonde. Oh, that lovely. Was, uh, eventful and pretty ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Well, I mean, I never did. I didn't get it bad. I probably got it worse in high school hockey than I did in juniors. Wow. I don't even want to know that. Anyway, <laughs> that sounds really bad. But uh, so when, um, so that second year that you're in Toledo, um, did you feel anything change as far as uh, the way you were playing as uh, your role on the team? Did it change at all for you? 
Um, I mean, yeah, I definitely had to uh, take a little more of a leadership role because, I mean, you had guys age out at that point. You lost, uh, you lost Higgy that year. Uh, you lost Abby, and I believe Bart was done that year too. I'm pretty sure they all aged out my second year. And so, I mean, at that point you had uh, left there, you pretty much had uh, me and JC and then you added Jack Goodell and uh, Nick Yost. So, I mean, we definitely had to take a little more of a leadership role that year because, I mean, Jack, Jack got made the captain, but Jack was a very quiet captain. He didn't really have to talk because he had us mouth to talk for him <laughs> more of a, uh do as i do type person he definitely didn't uh i think i saw him blow up once or twice in that year together and i mean it was times when he definitely had to because people were just not they were taking stuff a little too lightly so i mean but it was never like he never had to really do it like how higgy did Cause it was never really a, uh, I mean, we weren't that type of team at that point anymore. Everybody kind of fell into their role with Duncan because if he didn't, you know, he would, you know, he wouldn't be playing as simple as that. You had to do what was expected of you from him. So, yeah, I mean, it changed just because you had, you lost all those, those upper agers and we were those over agers. Now, I mean, Jack came in as a, like he said in his, a rookie vet, as we called him, <laughs> yeah. just because he was new to the team. But he had been in the league just as long as I had at that point. So, I mean, we all kind of just went by with what Jack did. And me and JC kind of just did what we had to do. <laughs> now, uh, now you made the, the road trip back and forth from home to Toledo, correct? Uh, the, the first year. The second year I lived with Tarsha. Ah, okay. And Andrew Connors for the three months he was there, I believe, three or four months before he went back home. But he, uh, me and Andrew lived there in Tarsha's basement. Well, that had to be interesting. Uh, It was a good time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It definitely was a good time down there. He, uh, I mean, he had a great house. I mean, how many kids could say they played junior hockey with their coach as as their roommate, pretty much, where you had a dog, an in-ground pool, and a drum set to play with? I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Now, did you? When he would wake up before you and start playing the damn drums at four in the morning just to mess with you because he had to go to work. (laughs) Oh, man. He's a bank. He worked in a bank, so he had to be there early in the morning. So certain days he would just, just to mess with you, he would start playing Rush on the drum set as loud as he possibly could just to wake you up real quick. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, well, yeah, Rush was his favorite band, hands down. And, uh, Neil, yeah, Neil Peart was his, was his idol. Uh, the late, great Neil Peart, uh, Peart from uh, Rush was his oh, idol. Yeah. We went to a concert together. He actually took me to a Rush concert at Joe Lewis Ice Ring. My wow. second while we were living there that's funny yeah um, so but uh now uh you look at it from from this standpoint of course after that second year when you were done uh what were you thinking as far as uh what was going to be next 
and what did you end up doing? Originally, the plan was I was going to try to go play college hockey. I wanted to do something in that, and then uh, it got brought to my attention to go try out in this open camp for, you know, some single-A league that was going around. Um, I went to the camp. They did like a end of the camp draft and everything, and I got drafted second overall. And then the team folded within <laughs> a month. So then I got a, at that point, I, the only thing I could really do because I had already screwed up the whole college thing because the seasons, you know, we're getting ready to start. I had went to Buffalo and played uh, Canadian junior for about three months until I got a phone call from the guy that had drafted me in that league to come play for him in a league that had just started, uh, you know, and it had five teams and you'd be making money instead of paying to live somewhere to play hockey. So I bit the bullet, and you know, went and tried it. And I mean, well, I could say the first year was eventful for sure. <laughs> but a lot, of, a lot of new experiences, eh? Uh, a lot. I mean, I learned a lot in that first year. I mean, being 20 years old out in at first Chicago. I mean, I started out in Chicago playing uh, for the Chi Town Shooters, we were called. And uh, I played 12 games there. And then somebody traded in Evansville, Indiana, I got traded for. They had an issue with one of their players that nobody in the town could stand this guy. <laughs> so wow. they shipped this kid out just because, you know, he was a problem. Shipped him out. I wasn't really playing because we had so many vets on that Chicago team. I mean, I was, like I said, I was 20 years old. Uh, Evansville was a bottom of the barrel team. We were at the top. Um, so I got traded to Evansville after not playing in Evansville. So they went, Chicago went to Evansville, played a game, brawl broke out. Uh, this guy got traded because of what happened in the brawl to Chicago. They were wow. like Chicago coach Darren was, he was a nutcase. We'll just leave that there. <laughs> he was crazy enough to put himself in a game at one point to try to fight another player. He rostered himself as a player and fought, uh, got in a fight with, oh a, with a player that had been playing all year. Like, that's what type of person he was. So it was like he wanted that craziness, and I was not at that point yet. I was still, like I said, I was 20 years old. I was just, you know happy to even be playing at that point and not in Canada. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> they, uh, I actually fell in love with Evansville. I mean, uh, the first year was, I had a blast. I mean, we didn't make much, but you, like I said, we didn't have the locker room we had in Toledo, but we had the fans that you would have thought we were an NHL team. They, some of those people didn't know a thing about hockey, but if you hit somebody or that siren went off because you scored a goal, that place erupted. Regardless, they didn't. They, some of them didn't even know what was going on. The, the whistle would blow, and you'd hear the place 
be confused, completely confused. And <laughs> it, it, it was a wild, like I said, it was a wild place because it's in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. And I mean, it's on the border of Kentucky. So you're, uh, you're in the sticks down there, but it's, it, it's, I loved it. I've always said I would move back there at some point in my life after that, that year. But I just, now I just don't have it in me. Don't even want to go back there. They really don't have hockey left there anymore either. So. Yeah, true. It was, uh, <laughs> that team was definitely an adventure. I mean, <laughs> you know, we weren't the great team but man did we definitely put on a show every night so what was your role there were you the enforcer one of them (laughs) (laughs) i was definitely one of them i think i was more the uh the agitator but i didn't like we had guys on our team that were there just to fight but at that point like i didn't really have to fight in juniors because we always had you know meets we had big guys all the whole time while i was in juniors i mean second year you had ryan wall who was the man like, like that djs he is built like a door i'm pretty sure he had to walk sideways in yeah he, uh, i mean we always had big guys like that but then when i got into that level it was you know you fended for yourself it didn't matter you were in that that spot where they uh I mean, it didn't matter. Everybody was there to prove their point. So everybody, you know, you're trying to get out of the gutter at that point. You're in single A. I mean, you're doing everything you possibly can. So that's what they expect of you down there. Unfortunately, that's, you know, that lower end hockey is definitely, it's slap shot. I mean, it's a, it's a version of slap shot pretty much. Uh, they, uh, but I mean, I, I took the enforcer role on a little bit more. Just because, like I said, that place erupted. I mean, there were nights you had 2,000 fans in the stands, and if you dropped your gloves, there's no, I mean, there's no bigger adrenaline rush than everybody in that place cheering for you at one time. You know what I mean? And that might sound a little conceited or whatever, or whatever that would be called. But, I mean, that kind of, it gets your blood pumping. So it was like, all right, I mean, I, at that point, it was awesome. Like, sweet, let's do it. I mean, if this place is going to erupt every time it goes down, let's just get it over with. And I mean, there was times that, I mean, I've been in bench clearing brawls in that stadium there. I mean, I've never experienced that in my life until that, that league. I mean, that it was some of the craziest things I've ever seen happen in my hockey career happened in that first year of playing down in Evansville. I mean, it was just, like I said, it definitely, I fell in love with Evansville, but in the long run, I'd also say that my love for hockey died in Evansville as well, huh. which is weird to say. I, I, I mean, I say that to people all the time and it, it throws them off a little bit, but hockey, the way I was raised to play is not what hockey is nowadays. I mean, I enjoy just watching it, but you won't ever catch me in an ice rink sitting there watching hockey games unless I have a kid down the road. Mm. And now, I mean, that it just that that low end hockey, while it was fun, it takes a lot out of you. I mean, it really does. I mean, they still expect you to practice every single day like that. And 
go to the gym and, you know, do all that same stuff you're doing. And then you got to be able to, you know, make ends meet still too. Yeah. So like it kind of, while I had fun and I would recommend everybody to try it, I mean, you're going to do it. You might as well do it till you can't. But once I got to the point of, you know, paying my own medical bills for stuff. And like I said, teams folding and leagues folding, it just, at that point, it kind of killed all that, you know, passion mm-hmm. for that. And like you said, at, at my point, I was at the point in my career where I was playing the enforcer. So uh, you want me to go play men's league hockey? You <laughs> 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 men's league hockey. I wish you could because I might put skates back on if they bring that back. That's funny. So now how long did you play in the minors? Two years? Oh, sexy. I think I lost you again there, buddy. Three and a half. You there? Yeah, I'm there now. Yeah. Three and a half years. Yeah. Three and a half years. Uh, I had my, like I said, the first year with Evansville. Then uh, the second year was the year we started in Detroit and we played out of that Fraser ice rink. Like I was saying, couldn't win a game. Um, <laughs> we had, the, we had the coolest name in the league. We were the Detroit Hitman, and we had these nice jerseys that were all, you know, brand new, nice jerseys and everybody's fit and it was all awesome. But the owners just never paid anybody. Uh, at that point, I had my my mom, I think we had six or seven pro hockey players living in my mother's house because the owners just stopped paying everybody. And then the league forced them to fold the team and then everybody went other places. So then, then I wound up back in Chicago. Don't ask me why I did that, but I did. Um, <laughs> he traded me away again for the second time to Cincinnati. So I wound up back in Ohio again. <laughs> wow. And, uh, I finished the year there, and then I played my last year, which it wasn't even a full year. I started the year, and uh, that was the second time I had broke my elbow, and I was just done at that point. Like I said, I was paying my own medical bills, so I just – I didn't want to – at that point, what was the point? <laughs> You're paying your own bills. You might as well just go to work. Yep, let them pay it. Yeah. <laughs> but, so uh, I ended it at that point probably – I think I was like 13 games into the season in Cincinnati – and we were living in a hotel at that time, and it just, when I broke my elbow again, it was like, all right. So not, not worth another $600 medical bill just to go get it looked at to not be able to pay. So that's when I hung them up at that point and started playing nothing. But I played a couple years of men's rec league hockey. Uh, it was like, a, it's a tier one league out here in Michigan where there's actually – some pretty good players in it. A lot of guys that, I mean, there's guys that I played juniors with that are still playing in it to this day. And well, not this day because it's 2020, but <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. We definitely, we played a couple real good seasons in there. We would go play in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. And we had a, it was a full check league. They played out there, a men's full check league. And we would take a team from Michigan and go play in Wisconsin against these guys that have been playing full check all year, or 
And one year we finally won it again. And then that was the last year they had the thing. So we never got to go back. So it literally, like I said, at that point, everything just stopped because we couldn't even go play full check against those guys once a year. Jeez. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was cool though. I mean, that was a fun trip, 12 hours. I mean, to go win a national championship one time out of the two we win. So I yeah. had fun with it. That's not all bad. So no. uh, when did, when was, uh, was that the, when's the last time you put on a pair of skates just to skate? <laughs> Five years ago. Okay. My bag has been in my mother's shed <laughs> for a good five years now. I put the skates on for a, a Thanksgiving Day skate. I went out with my cousin, you know, with the, the Tier 1 men's team, and they always do a Thanksgiving Day morning skate and split teams up, and they have, like, this Stanley Cup of beer cans they've made, and, you know, whatever. And that was the last time. I wow. was on the ice and just didn't, I didn't have it anymore to want to be out there because it's, I, I have evolved into a warm weather sport type of person. Wow. That's well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, most hockey players, when they're not playing hockey, the sports that they tend to gravitate to are golf or softball or stuff like that. Anyway, warm because it's opposite of hockey season. So would you say that was part of it too, is the fact that, you know, since you were, you know, getting out of hockey, uh, it was just a natural thing to gravitate towards a summer league sport like softball? Uh, yeah. I mean, that and the fact I grew up on a softball field. I mean, my mom played softball pretty much my whole life. And I mean, to this day, she's coaching college softball up here in Michigan. I mean, she's so... I'm pretty sure I was supposed to be on a softball field the whole time, but my uncle just made me a hockey player. And <laughs> my mom's got her way a little bit, and I'm a softball player. But she misses the hockey side of everything. But I would say I definitely got pushed towards softball because, I mean, I was always on a ball field as a kid. Well, you know, and for you, I mean, let's face it. You were doomed. You were doomed to play sports, Okay between your uncle and your mom, both of them being fanatical about sports, uh, you had no choice. You were going to be playing sports. So you might as well make the most of it, you know, and, and you did, to be honest, because there's a lot of guys that would have given anything to have had a shot at playing minor pro, even low-level minor pro, that couldn't get that shot. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm definitely for that opportunity because there's a lot better hockey players I've played with than me that never got that chance because they just took a different route in life. Mm -hmm. Growing up, you always think of like, as you're a hockey player, I want to play in the NHL. I want to play in the NHL. Well, I mean, honestly, all the people I've played with, there's maybe been two that have even come close to sniffing it that I've known personally. And I mean, (laughs) I've literally played hockey with so many people. It's insane. So it's like, I, I just, I mean, I'm grateful for even being able to have that opportunity to say at one point, somebody handed me a check, whether it was $150 a week or, you know, a million dollars. At some point, someone had to hand me a check for playing hockey. So I, I, like I said, I'm forever grateful for that, that opportunity of everything, but I definitely, I think I would have taken a different route had I, if I could, had I, you know, known how that would have all transpired and 
I probably would have taken the other route. But like I said, I'm grateful for what I got to do. That's for sure. I was going to say, you've led an interesting life, to say the least. Now, uh, you know, who would you say are the most, the people that impacted you the most as far as uh, in sports and then away from sports? Oh, man. Well, I mean, my uncle, obviously, away and in. I mean, to this day, uh, I still... I still can't remember a lot of things with him, but I mean, hockey was always that one thing that'll always be connected to him. So, I mean, I would say sports, a lot of, a lot of that was him. Uh, older age, uh, Dunk definitely was a uh, in little bit of a, a pushing stone. He definitely, uh, he pushed me a, lo- a lot in my younger younger age, like stuff I took to that next level, a lot of the grit that I took was pushed into me by Duncan. Like I was, when I came from the ice dogs, I was an attempting to score all the time defenseman. And I mean, Duncan pretty much turned me into a gritty, you know, still try to score, but I was more there to, you know, be a gritty defenseman. So it was a little different, but he definitely, he definitely pushed me in sports too. And that was more, like I said, after my uncle had passed away, I literally, that was my hockey coach for forever. And then I went to, you know, like I said, Ed Shepler, and then it ended with Duncan. So it was like, at that point he shaped that, you know, that teenage kid into a little bit more of an adult than anybody else really could, I guess I would say. Okay. Um, That's fair enough. And then how about, um, how what would you say in terms of what role your mom had in not only with with sports but away from sports both oh man i mean she was a single mother that literally never missed a game i mean to this day she called me to see if she needs me or if she can come watch me play or you know like we play co-ed, uh, my girlfriend and I do, we play co-ed, and she wants to come watch every Sunday. So it's like, you know, it, she's still always there. So it's like, I, 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 she's always been that rock, no matter what. So, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's mom. There's not much you can really say that people don't know, but yeah, she definitely pushed me into, you know, everything, and she still pushes me to this day. I mean... <laughs> Old, you know, old lady, hip replaced, no matter what, she still runs around with her cane right now and yells at me and she's still on me nonstop. So, I mean, she pushes me still to this day. Well, that's, that was, she's always had that, that feisty spirit in her. I mean, even when she would come to the ice house, I can remember her. She always put a smile on my face. I will say that she always put a smile on my face because she would come in there and it it didn't matter, uh, good or bad. She would uh, she rooted like crazy for you, and uh, even even when you made her mad, and she would <laughs> tell me times when you made her mad, but she uh, but she was you she was hands down your biggest fan, and that was clearly evident. Oh yeah. Stuff. Now, uh, tell me a story or two about your aunt, who I listened to my broadcast, but I never got to meet her. Uh, I mean, my aunt was, 
she was definitely one of the she was my best friend growing up um she passed away really really young just because of you know she had multiple health conditions but she if she couldn't make a game she was always listening to your stuff so i mean she uh <laughs> there was even i mean till the, till the day she passed away she she was just like my mom i mean if my mom wasn't there my aunt was there i mean it wasn't if my mom was there my aunt was still there I mean, <laughs> there was there's a picture on facebook that gets posted every year around the time she passed away and uh she's sitting in a wheelchair behind me and my cousin and i are sitting on the fence playing and we're in like a men's league and the look on her face is like she's yelling at one of us and i'm looking back at her like i'm literally getting yelled at by my aunt and i'm 25 years old right now <laughs> <laughs> you know so <clears throat> she definitely uh she was a character i mean i definitely uh i miss that woman like no other so like i said that was my best friend but i mean <laughs> she was the happiest person she could have been until the day she passed away i mean you would have never you knew she was sick but you would have never been able to know by the way she would always try to make people laugh i mean laughing, smiling, you would think she was perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, I mean, she, like I said, she listened to every one of those games while you broadcast them. And she'd make sure to tell me or comment or, or you know, make sure you gave her a shout out what you got her every time. And she made yep. sure to tell me how to high. She loved when you give her a little shout out every time. That was that, that was what made it worth it to me, though. It really did. I used to just always love doing that kind of stuff. And she was, uh, like I said, she was one of the ones that, I mean, her and, of all people, Dunk's mom. Now, uh, ah. I got to meet her, I think, twice at the rink, like for about a minute each time. But uh, she she was something else. She would send me emails and go completely just let's put it this way. I kind of get where dunk gets that uh, ferocity from because, because of his mom, his mom was, uh, Oh, she just, whew. Nick, my mom and I went up to Canada. We went up and, uh, I was, that was the year I was done. Uh, or no, I wasn't done. Uh, it was my going into my second year. There was a, uh, tournament up in, uh, Canada in Toronto. And, I think it was like a 16 and under tournament because uh, Brent Bain and Colby played on it. Okay. And they, we went up there. My mom and I stayed in her, in Dunk's mom's house with her and Dunk. Man, you ain't kidding. She, when she gets on it, man, <laughs> she's a, she's a trip. She's, she's a trip for sure. I mean, I loved her to death. Every time I saw her, I mean, uh, still to this day, I say happy birthday to her on Facebook. I mean, she's <laughs> she was a character for sure. But you ain't—that's where Dunk gets his from. Like, it definitely comes from her because she has zero filter <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, well, I was telling point, she was saying stuff, and I mean, I seen some stuff where it was like, all right, man. I don't know if I was supposed to know that or not. <laughs> but I mean, like you said, Dunk's definitely, he's, he's his mom's son for sure. Cause he, uh, his filter's pretty, 
pretty uh, <laughs> low. Not key much of one either. <laughs> yeah, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Uh, no. She's a great lady, though. I mean, she was amazing when we stayed there. But she's just, she, like you said, she's definitely a character. <laughs> yep, no question about it. So, uh, so now you're you're still playing ball. Um, what is? Uh, do you still keep in touch with uh, any of the hockey guys still? Uh, I mean, DJ and I still talk. Uh, he actually, when I was playing pro hockey, he actually came and watched us play a game in Fort Wayne. We had, uh, they had, you know, a showcase game or whatever. And the two top teams in the league went and played in Fort Wayne's arena. Well, DJ's from Fort Wayne. So I had always been in contact with him at that time. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm coming to Fort Wayne. And he actually came and watched and like, we saw each other after and stuff. So, I mean, I still talk to him. Um, I mean, not really, like I said, I kind of fell out of the hockey world and emerged myself right into softball. And it's been that since, I mean, so I, I mean, I, here and there, I see you guys and know how you been, how's it going. But I mean, you get, you, you, like you said, the names and stuff run together and it's like some of those guys you see, everybody kind of grew up. I mean, and nobody really has time for that anymore. You know, besides Facebook, if I didn't have Facebook, there would I probably wouldn't even be able to talk to half of those guys. Yeah. I, you know, this wouldn't be going on. I wouldn't even be able to, you know, like, no, Jack was a, a doctor now. Like, I mean, yep. we all kind of knew he was going to be a doctor, but, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, no, I really don't I, DJ still, but that's about it. May, well, this will maybe open up some uh, eyes and ears and get them to want to reach out to you and talk to you again, because those were some crazy characters that you played with back then. And of course, uh, <laughs> Dunk leading the way. But, uh, you know, just the idea that knowing that you're out there still, uh, I think that 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 can because and that's the one thing this thing has done. This podcasting I've done with this is done is it's gotten guys who haven't uh, necessarily uh been they've kind of gone out well i mean because we all grow apart i mean it's just part of life you know you you go you settle in with your own family if you have kids of your own or get married or whatever you do you start to do those things you you set up your own life and you're and you grow away from what was part of your past but what i've noticed with this is i've gotten guys who they haven't heard from certain guys in a long time then they hear the podcast and it's like oh yeah i remember him and they'll send me notes saying, hey, yeah, I remember him when I played with him and things like that. And, you know, just little things like that. And that's yeah. the that's kind of the idea of this is that way people realize that there are faces and stuff to the names that they see on a piece of paper or a banner in the rink. You know, that there's actually faces and there's stories to be told about uh, some of this stuff that happened back in the day. You know, that and there was a reason that Toledo was a place to come to to play hockey and why, you know, there were so many good players that came from here, you know, and, you know, so, I mean, now before we wrap it up here, um, do you remember any goofy stories of anything that happened back then in the back in the day as far as, uh, you know, whether it was on the bus or in the hotel room? (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, the hotels were – Dunk had a hard time keeping us under control sometimes in those hotels, and it wasn't anything he could really do. I mean, but it was never anything 
you know, reckless or that we ever would have really gotten any kind of trouble for. I mean, you've mentioned leaners. Everybody got leaners. Uh, I've definitely tornadoed a few rooms in my life. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if anyone's hit on that, but you flip their bed, no. you open all the drawers and pull them out and turn the TV around. And, I mean, you do pretty much anything you can do in the room to make it a mess so that when the next person walks in there, then they go back into their room. Their room looks like a tornado hit. Holy so on a few of those, <laughs> I mean, there, but there was never, I don't think we ever really broke anything or dunk really ever had to, you know, cut anybody or send them home because we ruined anything. We just always would get in a little bit of trouble here and there. <laughs> ah. I mean, I, what uh, your kids at that point, your group of kids, you got your board on the road and you're in a hotel. Yeah, you had a lot of things you could try to do to not get in trouble and messing with each other was probably the best way for us to not get into any trouble. <laughs> well, I reckon you're right. Oh man. But uh, the one nice thing I always like about this is to do, I've discovered in this is that the older the guys are that the farther I go back, the more, uh, I won't say necessarily trouble they got in, but the more, uh, Boy, they those guys were crazy back then. The button, you know, the buttons we pushed back then. Yeah, they yeah, you pushed the buttons pretty good back <laughs> then, as opposed to the kids now. But of course, back then the internet wasn't what it is now. So you know, you didn't have everybody with their with their uh, camera phones, you know, filming everything like they do now. So yeah, I, I, I think that's that's definitely a part of it too. I mean. I, some of the, some of the stories I couldn't even air, like with some of the guys from back in the late nineties. So I, I, I mean, it, the, some of the things they told that I found out, I was like, Oh my gosh, how yeah. did you guys, I mean, if they did that now they'd be in jail. Okay. Never mind the fact that they'd be in trouble or, or, you know, be subject to discipline or anything like that. These guys would have been in jail for some of the things that they pulled, but that was how worried about our coaches more than I was our players. <laughs> I'll Take leave that one. Dixie to Peoria, and you never know what's going to happen. About that story, but you It's ugly sometimes. Yes, I know. I was there. I, I I was there for that. So I will. I'll just leave that one alone until unless we do a podcast about it. But uh, I will leave that alone. Anyway, Dixie, I'll tell you that story or dunk to tell that story. I'm out on that one. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yes, it is. I'll I'll leave that up to them. I'm not touching it, but I, I was there, and it, it happened right in front of my eyes. So, uh, but uh, anyway, <clears throat> oh man. Well, Ryan, do you have any questions for me? Oh man. Uh, I mean, not really. Honestly, I. I <laughs> you don't have to. Not no, honestly, I don't. I, we've uh, I've known you for quite a while now. We stayed in contact for a while, so I mean, I still yeah. talk to you here and there when we can. So we still catch up as it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, well that's fair enough. Well, I tell you what, um, do you have anything you want to say to Cherokee Nation? Because a lot of folks, not only from your era, but from before and after, tune into this quite a bit. So if you got something you want to say, say it. Uh, the Cherokee organization was definitely the best junior when I played for, uh, I mean, the LeMays and the Robertsons, they definitely, uh, 
they did what they needed to do for us when I was there. I, like, I don't know what, if they're still involved or not nowadays. No, nope, no. Nope. Uh, Chuck's retired. He's, uh, he's retired. He's, uh, he sold his part of the team. Matter of fact, so did uh, Mrs. Renegar and yeah, the Robertsons, they're, they're out of it also. Uh, they've moved on and stuff, but uh, they came back uh, earlier uh, this last season. Uh, they, when I, they had a night where they honored the SAP award and yep. yours truly, yours truly got that. And they came, uh, uh, well, Chuck couldn't cause Narda was sick, but uh, the Robertsons came out for that and they hadn't been out in quite some time. So they came out to see that and I got to see them and it was really neat because a lot of guys came in from uh, different parts of uh, uh, all over. And it was just nice to see for one night, all those guys out there. It was like a little mini reunion, but um, yeah, uh, it's uh, different folks now in the, but the folks that run it now are also very, very, very good. Uh, the uh, Don and Carrie uh, um, are just uh, wonderful people. Can't say enough good about them. Uh, man, the man, they're the Mander family, we call them. Uh, but uh, they are wonderful people. Uh, Kenny Miller is the coach and GM. Todd Omi is, came back and he is now associate coach. Uh, Nick Signs is an associate coach. These guys got, got extensive hockey backgrounds, so they are uh, you know especially here in the local area. So they they're they're getting more and more guys, Ryan, that are playing that are uh, from around here. You know, we always had guys that we would bring in from way out wherever, in addition to the some Michigan guys and, uh, you know, just guys from wherever. We'd get a few local Detroit area guys and then a bunch of others. Well, now it's all guys from like the Michigan area, from Ohio, like around Toledo, uh, like Sylvania, Maumee, uh, Perrysburg, Clyde. I mean, it's weird, but we we're getting more and more guys that are playing that are local guys. So the, the, the programs have gotten better, the high school programs. So uh, they've uh, improved. So, you know, it's easier for Toledo to be able to recruit locally as opposed to trying to find guys from Washington or Wisconsin. I mean, they still do. And we've even gotten a couple of uh, uh, imports. But I think this coming season, they're going to have a guy from Germany and um, trying to think of who else, a guy from the Czech Republic. So you're allowed two internationals, so that they've got two this year. But the point is, is that it's improved to where there's more local talent that's able to uh, help uh, the Cherokee uh, play. You know, so it's all good. That second year, a lot of us were all. I mean, we had a lot of Michigan guys that second year. Yes, you did. Yes, that's true. There was all within an hour's drive. Yes. Well, I, I think Lyndon Smith and. Uh, well, Yost and Goodell rode together, and I know they were like an hour 15, hour 20 out. I was luckily only like a half hour when I had to drive. But, I mean, that was, you know, I was a little reckless getting down there, but you had to leave school to get there on time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to know about how reckless you were when you drove. But uh... got there on time. I was never benched for being late to hockey practice, that's for sure. <laughs> I was- Skated. <laughs> I was going to say, we won't ask about how many times you had to evade the cops to get there, but <clears throat> anyway. But, uh, well, man, I tell you what, Ryan, it's been 90 minutes, and I did, I had, it's like, 
crap, we didn't even scratch the surface almost. It's like, it it felt like 10 minutes. Yeah, it flew by for sure. (laughs) You know, I'm just glad that we were able to do this, you know. I mean, I just, you know, like I said, you were just one of those guys that I always, even no matter what, I can remember you would come up, even when you came to see a game and you were, you were, uh, I think you you had already aged out. I remember a couple of times. I think you came back to the rink just to catch a game because you were in yep. the area, and you, the first place you stopped uh, was right up into my booth, and I, I, it's like it was like going home again. You know, that's that's what the Cherokee is like. That's why you know we always say once you're Cherokee, you're Cherokee for life, and it's a, it's very it's very true. I mean it, the it guys. Is. The guys that you you react to and you think about, I mean, think about it. It's been how many years since you played there? And some of the things that we brought up here talking about this, it, it it's like it just pops right into your head. It's like, oh, yeah, now I remember. And we just go on about it because that's what it meant to us. It meant it was special. And, oh, yeah. you know, so, I mean, and that, but it starts with having good guys, good players, and, peop- and most importantly, good people. And that's where you come in. Because, again, I, I didn't have any trouble remembering your number, okay? Because I always knew, I always knew who you were. Because, you, you know, the, you were the 16-year-old who looked like he was about 30. But, by gosh, you were still a, a, a rock-solid kid. You know, you, you, you still were a good kid back How then. How can you get that number with that last name on the back? <laughs> this is yeah. true. I was going to say you couldn't hardly fit your name on the back of the jersey. <laughs> man, they had to work to get that one in there. Oh man! But Ryan, I tell you what, it has been an absolute joy talking with you here, and I thank you for doing this. And uh, I, I, I know we'll talk again and everything because our goal here, I tell every podcast, I tell everyone, we're going to put together a little reunion. And it's going to happen here within the next couple of seasons. We're going to see how everything, all the world settles down. But once that happens, I want us to get together. And whether you play or not, you don't have to play. You just come in and just sit in the stands, maybe watch a Cherokee game and uh, have a couple of pops and tall, tall tales and just have a good laugh with everybody. That That's the whole idea. And yeah, that's all. I'm, I'm definitely in for that as long as it doesn't involve me playing. <laughs> I'll fall bat and they can shoot a puck at me. I'll see if I can hit it. That's about it. <laughs> oh, that's scary and probably illegal in most states. Anyway, uh, Ryan, I appreciate you doing this, buddy. And uh, again, you take care and we will talk again soon, my friend. Take care. You too, Mick. Thank you, buddy. Well, that's going to do it from here for the. 25th episode of the Cherokee Rewind. Don't forget, you can uh, subscribe on whatever podcast outlet you use, whether it's iHeart, Google, Amazon, uh, Spotify, TuneIn, the whole bunch. Just whatever it is you use, you can subscribe to the Cherokee Rewind, and every time a new episode drops, it will notify you. So that way you can find out what's going on with the Cherokee players and coaches, etc., of the past. So we appreciate you doing this. I am Mick. For Ryan Sexsmith, I'm Mick, and we'll talk to you again soon right here on the Cherokee Rewind.